Welcome to the Communicate for Good podcast, where leaders on a mission to make the world a better place come to talk and learn about how communication, language, and words can help increase awareness, revenue, and impact with less stress and more joy. I'm your host, Erica Mills Barnhart, and I'm so excited you're here with me. Let's dive right in. Hello, hello. Welcome to, or welcome back to the Communicate for Good podcast. I am your host, Erica Barnhart, and I, as always, am super glad and grateful that you are here. This is part three of a three-part trilogy about how to become a confident public speaker, one word at a time. Part one, well, so there's three steps, prepare, plan, and then practice. That's what we're going to talk about today, practice. So just quickly on the preparing, that's about preparing your mind, releasing this belief that you couldn't possibly become a confident public speaker because you can. All right. So that's the prepare. Once you've done that work, right, that's internal work, then you start planning. And in the last episode, I shared the before you start writing anything, which is the how you want to work the Klaxon method. And in there, there's what I started to refer to as the what, who, what, do, see, do. So what does success look like? And then given who your target audience is or your audience or your the people in the board meeting or the leadership team meeting or whatever it's going to be, whoever the humans are, then you're going to do another pass at what? What do you want and need them to feel, know, and do? Okay, the what, who, what, do, see, do. So those are the first two episodes in this trilogy. You certainly can listen to this as a one-off. I do really recommend listening to these in sequence, especially the first one. So that first step around preparing, I said this in my recap of in the last episode where I was recapping the first episode. I really feel like it's the skipping of that preparing, like that opening to the fact that you could do this thing that maybe has scared you your whole life. So that's, but most of the time folks start with planning, right? We just ignore this whole subconscious mind scariness. And that's what I see again and again. Because I, you know, I work with clients who have worked with other coaches and consultants on this very issue. They still feel afraid. They still feel afraid and they don't have like a system to work in the planning and preparing. So that, sorry, the planning and practicing. And that also is an issue. But I got to tell you, it's once we get the, the releasing of limiting beliefs that preparing the mind and heart, I would say, well, then it's, you're just off to the races. So that's my plug for listening to that and uh, doing the preparation first. All right. This episode is on practicing. My experiences and my belief is there's no one best way to practice. Okay. There are ways that are more or less successful depending on you. Okay. So all of us prepare differently for things in life. And this is no different. Okay. This is no different. And I'm going to talk about, there's kind of two, I am going to share two primary ways that people, that people like to approach it. So there are two approaches to it. Uh, and actually the first step is generally the same. Uh, and then it's like, are you going to go to the part two? So different public speaking opportunities, just to state the obvious here, require different amounts of preparation. So I'm going to talk about like your approach to how you might prepare. And I'm just going to say the higher the stakes, the more you're going to want to 
work your personal approach. I'm also going to share with you my approach, um, which is kind of a combo meal hybrid of these two things with a little flavor of flavor thrown in that people don't always expect. So, you know, if it's table stakes, that's one thing, right? It's like, okay, it's table stakes. That's okay. If, if like it doesn't go exactly how I need it to go, you know, the world is still going to keep spinning. And that's going to be okay. You know, this is sort of like a one of many. It's important. And there's going to be other opportunities. But if it's like high stakes, obviously you want to really get to a point, that magic moment where you're like, I got this. I totally got this. Okay. So there's a difference between like getting through it and owning the moments. And the higher the stakes, the more you want to get whatever that looks like and feels like to you to that moment. Like, I got this. Okay. Now, question for you. Are you someone who works best from talking points or do you need a full script to feel confident? This is important. And most people are like, oh, it's one or the other. And they're pretty quick about it. Having said that, the higher the stakes, you you might toggle between these two. Okay. So in general, you're going to want to start with, well, you've done the, you, you have the what success looks like and the feel no do. Okay. Starting there. Once you're actually deciding on the content of the speech, most often you're going to start by writing the talking points, the outline as it were. Okay. And this can be fairly fleshed out, you know, for a first go. The beauty of the outline, the bullet point outline is you can rearrange things. Like you don't have to be wed, very wed to anything that's in there. For some folks, that's enough. And actually where they go, this is like the choose your own adventure moment. Where they go is they start working those talking points and then they're like calling and eventually what they end up with are just like a few key talking points. The other way that you might get to your destination is by writing a full script, okay? Is by writing a full script. Now, for the leaders, the people who are like, I just want the bullet points, a full script can actually feel, it can make them more rather than less nervous. And here's the reason. It's like, if you have a full script, what your audience doesn't know, <laughs> they don't know what's in a script, <laughs> by the way, which is sort of like, then you're like, I messed up. They don't necessarily know that, but you know it. So especially for someone with perfectionist tendencies, a full script can actually work against you rather than for you. So that's just something to be noodling on. But again, like your audience doesn't know. They don't know, okay? And so they don't know that you've quote unquote messed up if you've like gone off script. Now, there are moments I have worked with leaders in these moments where like, you got to nail the talking points, right? That there, are, there, there are things that need to be said in order for people to feel, know, and do the things that you need them to feel, know, and do. So you always need that crystal clear. So this is about process, not that, okay? So on the bullet points, you're going to run them. I call it running them, okay? So run the bullet points. I would say for most of my clients, you're going to run them like in your day-to-day. -day. Some people stand in front of a mirror. It's actually very effective, very freaky outy, but very effective. And you kind of figure out like, okay, what feels what feels good here? What doesn't? And the other thing to bear in mind is if it's a more casual setting, so it can be high stakes and casual, okay? Then if you're fully scripted, that can feel out of whack. I was actually talking to a leadership team and someone not on a leadership team, but in a leadership position, 
had just presented to their board of directors and they were kind of mystified because in, in staff meetings, you know, he has stucky points but, and he's great. You know, he doesn't look at them because, you know, he feels confident in those moments. But with the board meeting, he had actually read verbatim the talking points, like looked the whole time. And they were like, oh, we just, we've never seen that. They don't, they had only experienced him in these sort of staff meetings and this confident, you know, kind of can roll with it version. And I said, well, it makes perfect sense to me. If he naturally is, feels good, you know, confident in front of um, staff, that he might not actually know how to prepare. It's possible that he had never had to actually prepare for something that was higher stakes and the board meeting was higher stakes. So he did the same amount of practicing, I'm going to say, the amount of practicing, step three, but hadn't actually done it to the extent that it needed to be done. Right? We're in step three. It needs to be done. Process similar. Practicing might need to be more, right? It might need to be more. Now, and so I said, that makes perfect sense. They're like, what, 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 why? And it's sort of this belief that if you're if you're confident in one setting, you're confident in all settings. You can become confident in all settings. I still go on record with that. And the amount of practicing may need to vary. The amount of planning may need to vary, okay? But stay true to how you roll best. So if you're a bullet point person, don't necessarily think that the the that you need to add in a full script. You don't. Okay. I never write a full script ever. Here is my process in full transparency. I write, I have my field, what success looks like, my field no do. I write bullet points. I do all these things we just talked about. And then I always run, especially like if it's a keynote, I start running it start to finish while I'm working out. <laughs> I used to do this when I was able to run, and now boohoo, I can't run anymore because I did a lot of it, and now my body's like, no, 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 we're done with that. But you know, like on an electrical or walking, or even if I, it doesn't actually matter what I'm doing for a workout, except if I'm in a class, that doesn't work out. But if it's just me, I'm going to start running it, start to finish, start to finish, and I'm going to notice. I'm going to try to do it start to finish, but I'm going to notice the moments where I'm like, ooh, that flow didn't work, and then when I'm not working out anymore. I'm going to go back and rearrange my bullet points, okay? And then I'm going to run it again and then rearrange and run it again. I'm going to get to a place where the flow works in my head, okay? In my head. I'm like, no, that feels good. And it's a feel, right? I like, no, that flows. That feels good. You know, all the talking points are covered. And then my next step is, here's something. I do script my opening and my close. I'm going to write it out. I'm going to say it so many times. Because you're opening in your clothes, you want to nail those. The higher stakes they are, the more you want to nail these, right? Again, if it's a more casual setting, you know, you can be like, hey, hey, and the opening doesn't matter quite as much. But if it is like a keynote or a, you know, a board presentation, I just keep going back to those two examples. But you know what these higher, higher stakes communication, public speaking opportunities are. I'm gonna, I'm gonna script it and I'll tell you. I learned I can off the cuff be pretty good on an opening, but I really learned that I'm not great on closing. So, you know, many years ago, this became obvious. So if, I, if I'm not clear in advance, I will not be clear in the moment, which is interesting because I riff. The reason that I don't script is because I like, I think one of my strengths as a speaker is that I know my content cold, 
and I riff, you know, I like the spontaneity. I like engaging with the audience. I like that. So I want to keep that possibility um, there, but I don't do it well in the close. I don't riff well, well in the close. And that is, I would say, pretty consistent, right? So know your, you don't have to script it. Again, what works for you may be different than what works for me, but I just wanted to share kind of start to finish what my full process looks like. So what might work for you to get to that magic, I got this, like know my tone of voice. It's that deep knowing that like you, if somebody, and I do this with clients, right? I'm like, okay, start from this, from this talking point. And you can just be like, yes, I know that talking point. And it might be in the middle, it might be in the middle, right? So that you're so versed in it. You're so fluent in it. And again, you may, you may decide to say it a little different every time, but you're consistent on the key points, or you may be somebody who is a scripter. I don't even know if that's a word, but let's say you're a scripter. Now, if you're a scripter, here's what I notice. Most of the time people practice until they're like, I, I good, I have it memorized. I have it memorized. Word for word. I know all the words. They are memorized. Okay. That is not your end point. You're not done practicing. Okay. Because that tone of voice that I just used tends to be how it comes out. And so you need to practice. Yes, you can have it memorized. But can you channel the uniqueness that is you through those words? Can you play with the intonation? Can you play with pauses? Right? I've talked about this a lot of times. Pause, silence, so powerful. Right? It's a lean-in moment. Okay? So do you have it memorized to the point where you can play? Okay? That's where you want to get to. And that's a higher bar than most of us are held to, especially scripters. Because then again, it's like, well, I, I memorized the thing. And this is this is how we've brought up and told that, okay, you have it memorized. It's kind of like mission statements, actually. Come to think of it, it's very similar. Especially like board members, love you. But it's kind of funny to me, you know, it's like, here's the mission statement or the purpose statement. And they, they're like, I have it memorized. And then they deliver it and they sound like robots. <laughs> you know, they like to don't sound like themselves. So you want to be able to sound like yourself. All right. You want to be able to sound like yourself. Now, I was sharing with a different friend and colleague that I was doing the series, this trilogy. That just sounds more fun, like Star Wars. It's a trilogy. Although Star Wars is so beyond that now. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. They were saying that they were at something recently and a woman was giving a talk. You know, it was a, at an event. And someone else was like very irritated because she was looking, her, she had her notes on uh, on her phone. Okay. So now in terms of preparation, you do need to think through, are you going to need to reference? Or do you want that? For some of you, like having something that you can touch, whether it's like post-it notes, I don't know if you want to do post-it notes, but like note cards or something, you'll want something. Okay. You'll want something. This is a long time ago, but it was somebody brilliant, brilliant person that I got to work with and also a tech person. So I noticed that they were presenting. This is an all staff meeting and they had like a tablet, which this was long enough ago that I was like, what is that? Right? And I asked them after, I said, how come you use that tablet? What is that? Oh, now that I know what it is, why did you use that instead of paper? And they said, I get so nervous that my hands shake. And so I want something heavier because then you can't see my handshake as much. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. 
So if that is true for you, you want something, uh, some sort of mobile device, a tablet or a phone is fine. I would say this is also generational. Gen Xers, me, are kind of like, ooh, phones. That must mean that you're checking your text messages. Not always, right? Like millennials and Gen Z are, you know, they're taking notes. They write entire like papers on their phones. So like not necessarily. And because of these different interpretations of the using of, you know, a mobile device, Name it if you're going to do it, especially if it's a phone. Just like if you like get to a place you're like, I've forgotten what I'm going to say. Rather than trying to like act like you haven't forgotten, which is so stressful, my advice is you pause and say, I forgot where I'm at. Has that, has that ever happened to you? It creates connection because most of us have had that. I've had that, right? We've, we've had that. And so now you're more human. With the phone, don't leave people wondering why you're looking at the phone. Say... And to the extent you're comfortable, you know, you don't have to do full-on sharesies, but you can say, hey, you know, it could be as much as like, hey, I'm going to be looking at my phone just so you don't think I'm checking email or whatever, text messages or going on the gram. My notes are here, right? And I want to make sure that I share with you everything that, that I had prepared to share with you. So that's what I'm doing with the phone. If it is because you're like, oh, holding a phone, my hands will shake less. You get to decide, you know, whether or not you share that or not. But depending on the setting, that might be another way to actually create connection. So is there a lot more to say on all three of these steps? Yes, there is. But I wanted to at least give you the three-step process for becoming a confident public speaker with these like one word at a time moments, right? Because again, communication can feel overwhelming, public speaking can feel overwhelming. So I like to just bring it down to one word at a time. All of this is doable. So you're going to prepare, then you're going to plan, and then you're going to practice, 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 okay? And you're going to practice until you get to that, I got this. I totally got this moment. And again, the practicing might make might look different depending on the stakes, but the, the process that you use can actually stay quite consistent, okay? And get clear on what works for you. This can look a lot of different ways. And if you want to brainstorm those ways, I am here for you. Now, does this mean, by the way, like you can be like, I got this. People ask me a lot of the time, do I get nervous before I go in front of an audience? And I'm like, I don't really get nervous. Do I have butterflies? Yeah. But in the brain, excited and scared and nervous are like, this. they light up the same part of the brain. So, I mean, every once in a while, you know, I may get nervous, but I see on balance, I've prepared to the point where I'm just like so flipping excited to be with, you know, in this setting and with these people. I'm excited, right? And so just... No, because sometimes I've worked with many clients and they're like, but I still felt I had butterflies. And I'm like, well, maybe can you befriend the butterflies? Because it feels the same. But what if it's different now? What if the butterflies are there and you can feel them as like excitement? Can you get there, right? Let them join in on the public speaking fun and flutter about all they want. Because you, my friend, can be a confident public speaker. I know you can. And I want that for you. It's very liberating, very liberating. So I hope that this trilogy was helpful. Be in touch. I, I covered a lot of territory and that's only the tip of the iceberg with this. So be in touch with comments and questions. You can do this. I know you can do this. Do good, be well, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Communicate for Good podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you would right here, right now, go rate and review the podcast. Your review will help even more purpose-driven leaders, teams, and organizations learn how to use words to change the world. To find more ways that communication can help you increase awareness, revenue, and impact, head on over to www.claxon.communicationnos.com.